The teaching of contempt, the teaching of us versus them, has seeped into our culture and our thinking. There's no magic answer to fix this. And it's taken root in our lives, in society. So what can we do? In this powerful episode, we discover how we recognize and deal with contempt in our lives that we're receiving and that we're giving. This episode is about beginning to truly see ourselves and each other. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, hello and welcome again to the Freed Hearts Podcast, episode 18. My name is Robert Cottrell, and I'm here with... Susan Cottrell. Oh, I'm so glad it's always you. <laughs> Me too. I would be shocked if all of a sudden there was some name that came through. I can see you, so I know it's you. <laughs> Maybe I could just say a different name sometime. So we are here, actually, just to give you a little visual, if you need that, we are here in our living room in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, Washington, and it's uh, dark outside, so that means it's two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's actually, we're doing this one at nighttime. So we, uh, it's dark outside and, and you may hear every now and then hear cars go by and things like that. But we are so glad that you're here. We're just so moved that we turn these, this mics, these mics on here and we, we produce this and we send it off to our amazing editors and, and they send us back and we put it up there and you listen yeah, and you comment. Wonderful. We are so honored that you're listening out there mm-hmm. and we love the feedback. Again, if you have questions for us, things you would like us to discuss, stop discussing <laughs> questions <laughs> that you would like us. If you would like more of my cell phone um, uh, sound effects, um, questions, <laughs> questions. Be sure to let us know that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to email myself. Um, yeah, or if you have questions that you would like us to answer on the podcast or topics you would like us to discuss, email us at podcast at freedhearts.org. In this, we have, um, we in this journey of, of episodes, our third episode that we ever did was about the teaching of contempt. And that has become our most popular episode. It's that contempt, the us versus them mentality is one of the two most dangerous teachings in all of history. The other one is hell. And we're going to get to that in the future. We've teased you that several times, but we'll get to that. Um, But we want to talk more today about the teaching of contempt. And again, that's become our most popular episode. And it's been eye-opening as people see, they've seen how much this teaching of us versus them and how we justify contempt for whoever the them currently is has seeped into every aspect of our culture and our thinking. And we're going to we'll continue to press into this in the future because there's so much to say, so much to learn together. There's no magic wand answer here that can we can wave and all of a sudden this teaching of contempt the S versus them is gone. It's taken root in our lives and society. But what we can do is continue to learn and grow and understand and see how we can recognize and deal with the contempt in our own lives, the contempt that we are receiving from others, and honestly, the contempt that we are giving to other people. And that's what this episode is all about. It's about seeing, really seeing each other. So, yeah. Yes. It's awesome. (laughs) 
Don't I wake up? <laughs> no, I'm right here. No, I was just so it was so compelling when I was saying that you were mesmerized. <laughs> so yeah, I was um, listening to every word. Yeah. So Susan, what's what's uh, do you want to talk a bit like um, remind yeah. folks, remind us of what this teaching of contempt is? What this yeah. is all about? Contempt is devaluing another human being, the humanity of another. It's not about differing in, in your opinions or disagreeing. It's not that. It's disdain for someone thinking they don't even have value as a human being or they have less value than you. That's contempt. And we have seen that so much. It's become yes. even the fact that you would have that kind of disdain isn't yes. even like, well, you really shouldn't have that kind of disdain. That this us versus them, well, we're us and they're them, so we can treat them any way we want right. because they're them is just so prominent now yeah. that, that we don't even have the conversation in our own hearts as to whether we should even feel that way. Yeah. You know? No, it's just, it's just a fact of life. And we've seen contempt in the, in police with the contempt for black lives. Haven't we? Can you imagine a police officer holding a white man on the pavement with his knee on his neck until he died while other police watched? We've seen contempt for LGBTQ people in churches. And though society is changing, there's still so much deep-rooted contempt. We've seen contempt for women. All the injustices they're subject to, for which there is no remedy. And for children who are abused, and we don't protect them. If you wonder if a certain group is being treated with contempt, ask yourself, would I want to be treated the way they're being treated? Would you want to be treated the way LGBTQ people are being treated today? Would you want to be treated the way Black people are treated? Would you want to be treated the way women or children are being treated? If the answer is no, or you suspect the answer is no, that's because they're being treated with contempt. I I don't even want to say this, but we've, you know, we think and we're certainly much more tied to the LGBTQ part of this. But we have talked in the past and we'll continue to talk in the future about how the lies that have to be conveyed over, over centuries and scripture that has to be twisted and and truths that have to be ignored and and, all, and just all kinds of things in order to justify labeling this group of people. Again, we're talking whatever about- group yeah, yeah, Whatever group of people it is. Whatever group of people as them. And once you've done that, right. then the gloves are off. Anything goes, be it, be it the way you, the rights you deny them or the way you, you, you treat them or beating them or what, we could go on and on. Whatever it is, it's okay because we're us and they're them. And this, this, is, this has been so internalized, right? Yes, yes. It, it, it's, it keeps you from seeing somebody with an open heart. And I believe contempt, the teaching of contempt, is at the root of all our problems with each other. Yeah. Now, by contrast, yeah. So, what's the what's the other side of this? What's the so? If there is there a way that we can look at people, a way if this is if <laughs> yes. this if this is the root of our problems, is there a way that we can look at people yeah. that will start to unravel that or de I disempower don't know, disempower? Thank you. Um, you know, <laughs> there this 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 yeah. contempt. So let's look at the word contemplate. Do you know what that word means? It means to gaze at. It's not actually related from, to the word contempt, but contemplate, but I like that they sound similar. It comes from the word templum, which means a place for observation. Mm. And it really means a non-judgmental gaze. 
We're not in that habit. How do you feel when someone sees you or hears you and listens to you, is curious about who you are versus their mind's already made up about you? That's non-judgmental gazing. And it is far, far too seldom experienced mm. in our world. I was looking at a, a, I was looking up that word and one of the synonyms for that was dreamy. Huh. And I love that. I just, we talk about a non-judgmental gaze where you're just truly trying to see into the person. You bring nothing to the table. Yeah. No conversations to the table. But I like that idea of dreamy because I think it opens up possibilities. Yes. Tossing. I thought it was yes. a sweet word. That's a sweet word. So I want to share an exercise with you. I read this. Um, this is great. It's a book called... Uh, Inner Journeying Through Art Journaling by Marianne Hybe. I've been doing a lot of art journaling this year. It's past year and a half. It was part of the healing of my cancer journey. And so I'm going to share this with you because I think it really applies well here. So the book says, when we gaze at something lovingly, our seeing has the potential for creative growth. We model the divine act of creative gazing as manifested in the creation stories of many spiritual traditions. One of these, the account of the Hebrew book of Genesis, describes how God sees, God names as good, and God calls into life. This is the creative process at its most essential. The gaze is non-judgmental in nature. It receives rather than analyzes. It belongs to the essence of contemplation. So here's here's the assignment. You don't have to do this, but to, this is it'll give you the flavor just by experiencing this. So find a photograph of someone whose face is looking at you. Spend some meditative time looking. This should be a stranger, like from a magazine or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not someone you know, so you're not bringing something already. Right, to the table. right. So, just a stranger yeah, some, from a magazine. Or, right, that's right. What's a magazine? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Go to the internet the, that's right. and find a oh, picture yeah. of someone. Google strange man, strange woman. That'll no, get you. No, just, so I, just fine. You know, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. You're so funny. So find a photograph of a stranger. Yeah. And spend some meditative. Who, again, I'm sorry. Who's looking at you. Yes. Who's looking directly at you. Yes. Yes. Spend some meditative time looking at your new acquaintance with a loving, creative glance. And then experience what that feels like. Then use the same photograph to shift your gaze into one of disdain and dis and devaluing. Look at that same person and see if you can muster up the power of an uncreative glance and spend some time with that experience. Notice if you were able to shift to those two different stances, first at gazing with creativity and then of gazing with a devaluing look. What were your own feelings and how did the exercise affect you? And she continues, I had the opportunity of leading this meditation group with a group of women studying to be spiritual directors. The shock and dismay in the room were palpable, so much so that I almost rescinded my directions. After the second exercise, some were visibly shaken. The sharing that followed was intense. One woman said she was amazed at how easily she could switch to feeling anger at a stranger. Another felt she was betraying someone she had come to know as good. And she writes this example. Jenny had received a picture of a well-dressed gentleman. She told the group how she immediately liked everything about him. In her first gazing, she had felt trust. In the second gazing, he began to reveal his flaws. Mm. By the end of the exercise, she felt he was belittling her. The class ended with the suggestion that all of us 
were to notice how we gazed on the people in our everyday experiences. So the next week they met again and people shared the stories of encountering the usual people at their workplace, startled that they could look at them anew. One student, a social worker, explained how her clinical focus is on what the client is saying. Through years of working in challenging situations, she'd become almost numb to the stories. This week, she gazed, looking at her usual clients with a creative glance, and she found that her usual cynicism was melting away. She was able to imagine possibilities for them and for their situations. Mm, wow. That's remarkable. Yeah. That's remarkable. I thought about this, and I just, I just kind of closed my eyes and, and, and got an image of someone who I didn't know. <clears throat> and huh. I thought about, and I was thinking, I was just looking at them in a, in a loving way, in a positive way, and um, it was their eyes. Yeah. And I thought, oh, very nice eyes, very kind eyes. And, and, and then I made the switch when you said to. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I thought, is that person staring at me? What's there's a look in their eyes that I'm not sure what that is. Wow, you know what I mean? And, yes. And 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 I think of that to where again we we and I think you're going to get to this. I know you are, but but um, if that person, what we bring to the table, if I if I knew that person or that person was a particular gender mm-hmm. or a particular age or a particular race, um, I bring all kinds of things to the table. Yeah. That are all fueled by this us versus them, this teaching of contempt. And yeah. I miss it. Yes. I miss seeing the person, gazing yeah. at the person, contemplating them fresh. Yes. And we, you know, and I, I and I think we we have no patience. Uh, we get upset at the hurt that's been done uh, to most of you listening to this by non-affirming Christians. But sometimes because we walk this line mm-hmm. of still talking about faith issues, we'll share something very affirming, very positive, you know, very, uh, you're completely inclusive online. But because there's a word that goes with it, like faith or God or something like that, they immediately go, I want nothing to do with you because yeah. you're, you're one of those judgmental Christians. Right. You know, so... That's that's part of this, you know. Yeah. That's that's just an example of that. Yeah, thing. yeah. Well, I want to ask you, listeners, who who in your life has looked at you like that? Who's gazed at you like like there's a treasure in there that they want to discover? Mm-hmm. Does someone come to mind? For me, it was my seventh grade home ec teacher. Do you remember home ec? Um, <laughs> Miss Hall saw me that way. This was after my year of bullying, and I was so vulnerable the odd girl out. And I was already certain the girls had no interest in being my friend. But Miss Hall saw me. She she saw the value in me. It wasn't the words, though she was kind and encouraging, but I could just see it in her eyes. And I saw, I, so I saw the value in me. And that was a huge gift. Here I am talking to you about it all these years later. That's powerful. And that's what the contemplative gaze does. It brings an openness. It refocuses the gazer and the one being gazed at on their intrinsic worth as a human being and the possibility inherent in that moment. By contrast, contempt focuses both on the contemptuous person and the one they hold as contemptible on that person's unworthiness or worthlessness. 
We can also call this mindfulness or presence, being present to the current moment, not to all the noise in our heads. We might call it a creative gaze as you're creating this moment together, a moment that has never existed before and will never exist again. This gets really philosophical really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) But you can feel the cells generating. Who has looked at you that way creatively? And what life did it generate in you? You can call it receptive seeing because you're ready to receive whatever is in this moment for you. My sister used to look at me that way. She was always delighted when I walked in the room. I I could feel it. And the rest of the family loved me. And I'm sure there were moments of that creative looking, that creative glaze, but uh, a gaze. But there was a lot of head noise in the chaos. But my sister could always see me. That's not true anymore, by the way. (laughs) It's funny, but it's switched. It's switched to the other thing. To a contempt. Yeah. Because, Just, yeah, because of what we do. Yeah, and her head is so full of her religious beliefs that she can't even hear my story or how I got from there to here. She's never even asked. She stopped contemplating. She stopped gazing creatively. Yes. She just brings to the table all the chaos in, in her head. The yeah. contempt, the yes, contempt. that's yeah. right. And that's a big loss when our heads are too full of, the, of our store of story to see the present moment. And I know you know what I'm talking about. So that's the opposite of the contemplative gaze or contemplative gaze is the contemptuous gaze. And it can just be a passing glance. I don't know if you remember this, but early on in Freed Hearts, we were walking behind a young lesbian couple. We were there with them touring a, a campus for one of them to go to school. And two moms walked by and saw them. I remember this. Do I remember that. I do remember okay. this. Okay. Yeah. And she saw them holding hands and she looked disgusted. She looked at them with contempt. And and that was the first visceral experience for me of what people held in contempt experience every day. And the result is is a contraction, a pulling inside. We call it a withering look, one that makes you wither or shrivel inside. And, you know, we name these things microaggressions Mm. because they're small enough to deny. That's the tricky part. If I had asked those women later, did you look at those women with disgust? They'd say, oh, no, no, not at all. But they did. So it's easy to deny or overlook, but they pile up into something weighty and devastating. So if you have a parent or a spouse or a coworker or a police force or president, who views you with contempt, it is destructive and dismantling. So the invitation here is to engage in this contemplative, creative, receptive seeing. We we have to filter out things as we go about our day because there's way too much information to take in anyway at any given moment. We have to select where we focus. But I think that for us to filter out the people that's the wrong thing to filter out. You know, there was when you told that story of the lady walking by and being just this, yeah. this uh, you know, the disgust at a lesbian couple. It reminds me of the of the father and the young son and his young son who were looking, uh, and you can only see it from behind the park bench. But on the park bench, there were two men sitting next to each other, mm-hmm. and they were kissing. And you could you could hear uh, the father and the son. The, the son was saying, I, Dad, I don't, I don't get it. I, how, that doesn't, how can that possibly work? I, I don't understand that. And the dad said, yeah, it's just completely unnatural. I don't get it. 
and then you could, and you walked around and saw the front of the bench, and it was a man wearing a Star Trek shirt and a man wearing a Star Wars shirt. Oh my gosh. You know, oh my so, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you thought this was a deep story, didn't you? <laughs> no, you should know better than that by now. <laughs> that is unnatural. Um, <laughs> But in, just to make the point of that, of that immediate teaching of contempt. <laughs> a little or comic to, relief. Or to ruin the point you were trying to distract <laughs> I thought it was time for a little a little lighten up here. But uh, you, we had an experience like this recently. You talked about separating the people out and, yeah. and not, and we sometimes we bring this, this us, them, this teaching, this feeling. Again, we don't, we may not want to, we may think, oh, we don't ever do that, but we do. Yeah. We do because of how we were raised, because of the society in which we were raised. Some of us do it a lot more than others, but we're all on this journey of, well, I'm, I'm hoping all of you listening are on this journey of learning, growing together, how to dismantle, disempower this teaching of contempt and replace it with gazing at people. And that's hard when you interact in situations and you immediately separate out a person yeah. because of, who or what they are because of how they look. And we had an experience like that. Just well, walking just and down let me the just say, this didn't just come out of the blue. This was pumped into society. If you watch, um, watch the movie 13th about how racism became just entrenched in society. And he talks about a movie. Uh, oh my gosh. What's the, what's I the movie? don't know. You have no idea what I'm no, talking about. no. Um, we'll find it. We'll find, you can it. find it. Anyway, that just that that became all about black men are predatory, rapists, terrible, mm. and it it just set the whole tone for racism and along with slavery. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so it gets things, in yeah. the the system of our society. And it's very hard to get out well, in the seventies. What they did with. LGBTQ people. Yeah. Well, again, when and you've women all along, <laughs> when you can, when you, when you can label and say that someone is a is a fraction of a human being, that's them. That's putting them in the them category. So once once they're in that, again, once they're in that, you you know anything goes at that point. Anything yes. is justified at that point. At, the movie I was point. trying to think of was The Birth of a Nation, mm. which was yeah. the most devastating, damaging, racist yeah. implantation. Possible. Yeah. But yeah, we were walking down the street recently. We were social distancing, wearing our masks. And there was a business open, a black business, and a man was selling some kind of food. Do you remember that? And he had samples. Peanuts. Oh, it was peanuts. It was peanuts. peanuts. Yes. Oh, you forgot the peanuts? <laughs> boiled peanuts in different boiled flavors. Pe- flavored boiled peanuts. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah. And there was a woman selling these beautiful African headscarves, those head wraps that she had made. And she was wearing one. And I, thought it was beautiful. I told her it was beautiful. And I just stood there and I was so moved by these lovely people, just like all of us trying to survive a pandemic and a world that can be challenging. And she began explaining about the scarf and and how she had dyed it herself, batik dye. And I picked one out and I bought it. She taught me how to put it on. And it was, was such a moment. It was a moment, yeah. Yeah, and then she said, in anticipation, she said, now, if you're told that you're appropriating, you just say you're wearing this in solidarity with the black community. <laughs> I know, and I thanked her, and I, it was all I could do to get away because before I just started crying, and I walked with you, and you put your arm around me, and the tenderness of connecting so 
beautifully with a fellow human being and just move my heart. And the, the humanity, the common humanity at the opportunity to be alive with another human being in any moment, it, it, it was, yeah. it really stayed with me. I, and and we, I, go ahead. Well, and we missed, again, we missed that. If we would have walked down the street and, and, you know, categorize that, them. That's right. That person is not us. Yeah. And that doesn't even need to be malevolent. A, yeah. A, 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 an aggressive hate mm-hmm. kind of thing. It can be a, a passive thing, but that's not us. Oh, yeah. That's not us. So, how could we relate? So, but when you stop, you, you got a gift. And, yeah. With and, a contemplative gaze, it's like, who is this person? Yeah, and we miss that and we're missing that. And again, this is not a magic answer, but I think it's an incredible beginning. I do. I do too. And, you know, I walked away and I knew as I walked away, I won't wear that scarf. It's, I can't. I have not lived through the black experience and I have not earned the right to wear that, but I, I have it and I'm going to make something out of it that will, out of that beautiful fabric that will touch me deeply and remind me, bring back to mind that shared humanity with this woman that if various cells had calibrated differently, we might be sisters. (laughs) Those are the treasures. Those are the moments we will look back on at the end of our lives. Not the, not other stuff, whatever. Here's another treasure. When you're with someone, you know, well, maybe your child or your partner and you move out of your head into the present moment and shift to an open gaze, that can take some conscious effort to do that. Now, I want to add a little caveat. I'm not saying to discard all that you've learned about someone who has hurt you, that you don't just suddenly expect that you are illuminated now and you're going to talk to this person who has abused you in the past and they're going to not abuse you. That's not true. So you you have to be wise and you know, the best indicator of future action is previous action. But you can be aware of them now in a different way. And maybe you see the fear in their eyes that you hadn't seen before that's behind their actions. We've talked uh, some in the past about how our anger, my anger has shifted, especially on online to being angry at the system that created somebody or that taught somebody a certain way versus anger towards a certain person. Yeah. So yeah, something like that. But yeah, that's a good, yeah. that's a good. There's a balance yes, in it. Yes, yeah. Yes. And it's like, you know, if you hear your dad's car come home and you look out and you see how he's walking and you know what's coming. And so you go out the back door. That, that's just wisdom. But apart from those, if you're with somebody you know and love and trust, it's about being present and seeing them like the possibility of in the moment. And I think you and I have done that more in recent years than than ever before because, I don't know, we've matured so well, much. You see me in a way that I wish I saw myself. Aww. And uh, that has, that you gaze upon me often. No, uh, you, <laughs> you, 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 gaze, you, you gaze upon me in a way that I'm, I'm thinking, damn, who she's looking at? <laughs> oh, it's me. Um, and I, so that, yeah, so you, you brought that to the table. I'll Aww. be honest. You brought thank that you, table and you, and you, and you helped me learn that. Well, thank you. And, and I also want to say another little twist to this is it also means looking in the mirror and seeing the possibility. Can I tell a story real quick? Sure. About mirrors? Sure. We actually forgot to mention this in the last episode about 
the love letters. So I'm, I'm glad we got to it on this yeah. one. But we, um, you gave me a gift. You are an incredible artist. Thank you. You are. I mean, it's amazing. We, have, we at some point are going to do something with the art you create. Um, uh, note cards, t-shirts, hats, banners, <laughs> tote bags. I don't know. Whatever it is. Uh, mouse pads. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, you're an incredible artist. And, and you and we, not for any kind of personal reasons, but we happen to have two bathrooms where we are. So we thought, hey, bingo. <laughs> Susan gets her bathroom. I get my bathroom. And that's great. So we have... We have separate bathrooms. So you went into my bathroom with these window crayons, not lipstick, not a, but window crayons. Yeah. And you wrote uh, statements of affirmation. Yeah. Like, I am amazing. I am magnificent. I am the perfect size and shape and color and gender. And I am beloved and all, all these things. You've remembered those things. I You've do. internalized I them. Know. Yay. Uh, and, you know, because, and I'm, I know you know what I'm talking about out there. You look in the mirror and you usually don't have those thoughts. It's like, yeah. oh God, look at the this and that and this and that and whatever. And and sometimes we get to the point where you even look in your eyes and you think, yeah, you know, I'm just, I've, wow. I've, I've, I've that's too many this is and that's. Yeah, I know. I've it's not know, good. messed up or this or, and so these, it was a huge gift. It's already had a huge impact on me but these this replacing negative self-talk which is so natural and just flows right out of us about ourselves because we've learned it right um and we have contempt for ourselves yeah replacing that with positive affirming talk with a gaze a dreamy gaze (laughs) you know uh about ourselves and saying these things is a huge, huge gift. So I just wanted to give I, you I, When I was in New York as a, in my 20s, I worked cleaning apartments to pay my rent. And I cleaned the apartment of Lois Lane in the movie no. Superman. Really? <laughs> I did, I did. That's two connections to Superman you have. Because you also met Christopher Reeve. I didn't meet him. I saw him and I waited on him in a restaurant. I, I was so agog and all I could say was, you were so good in Superman. How many people can say they waited <laughs> on on Superman and clean Lois Lane's apartment? <laughs> Me. That's, that's a you. That's amazing. Anyway, and I saw in this cute, darling little New York apartment, and there were lipstick marks on the wind, on the mirror, and I said, "Oh my gosh, she has kissed herself in the mirror," and I loved it. I loved it, and I kiss myself in the mirror. I do because why not? Aww. Why not? And if I don't love me, who, how, you know, why not? Yeah, this is about gazing openly, receptively at that magnificent, one-of-a-kind being Yeah, that you are. And begin to see others that way, too. Yeah. In, in the moment and set... You know, yeah, set, set in stone the expectations of the way you want others to see you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I heard some, Rob Bell, he said, he had a, um, he said, if there's somebody I've had a big row with, somebody who really resents me or whatever, he said, I, I, if I run into them somewhere, I'll just give them a big hug and say, hey, how are you? Why not? It takes one, <laughs> That's it, right. it, it takes two people to fight. And if one is being, yeah. you know, however, yeah. break that wall down. Don't put yourself in danger. Don't take abuse. That's not what I mean. Okay. Right, right. Caveat. But yeah. So this is about treating yourself, loving yourself, loving others, seeing yourself, seeing others, expecting others to see you and treat you in a certain way. 
it's all about freeing your heart, freeing yeah. yourself to love and be loved as you deserve. And that's what we want you for you. You do deserve it. It serves you well. Thanks for listening. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www.freedhearts.org. Just come say hello. And if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast, things you'd like us to talk about, reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org. The music is provided by Hannah Cottrell, our daughter, the Grammy-nominated Saint Sinner. And you can find out more about her at heystsinner.org. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening.